Okay, so the idea, are we a match? Are we a match? Now, so we've talked about relationship dating is asking that question, are we a match? Are there deal breakers that are going to break this deal? If so, when should it break the deal? Now, we'll talk about that many times, sooner than later. So what I want to do is I want to start with a video. And I don't mean in any way to be mocking or pointing fingers, but this is a very common video. You all will recognize it. I want you to notice two very different philosophies to dating and marriage. Okay? One relationship is Anna. You got a ride? We got a ride for Steven? We're good? You good? Okay. So Anna and Hans. Anna and Hans think they're a match. Are they? Are Anna and Hans a match? But I want you to watch their, their philosophy, their mentality, their dating philosophy. And you tell me how it falls into our everyday lives. Now, Anna and Christoph, are they a match? Do they recognize that when they meet? Do you see the interesting philosophy? Okay, so just for fun, humor me, but watch this. And while you're watching, you have permission to smile and laugh. And then make it a little serious and say, have I done the same thing? Have I fallen into that philosophy that the person I'm infatuated with is a match? It's true love. She's going to tell Christoph, right? It's true love. Meaning what? We're in love. We're a match. Because we're in love, we assume we're a match. Well, were they a match? True or false, they were a match. False. That was a horrible match. But let this sink in and ask yourself, have I done the same thing? All right, ready? Only life has been a series of doors in my face. 
Hey. Pitfall number three. Okay, fast forward. So, uh, tell me, what made the queen go all ice crazy? Oh, well, it was all my fault. I got engaged, but then she freaked out because I'd only just met him, you know, that day, and she said she wouldn't bless the marriage. And... Wait, you got engaged to someone you just met that day? Yeah, anyways, I got mad, and so she got mad, and then she tried to walk away, and I grabbed her glove. Hang on. You mean to tell me you got engaged to someone you just met that day? Yes, pay attention. But the thing is, she wore the gloves all the time. So I just thought, maybe she has a thing about dirt. Didn't your parents ever warn you about strangers? Yes, they did. But Hans is not a stranger. Oh yeah? What's his last name? Uh, of the Southern Isles. What's his favorite food? Sandwiches. Best friend's name? Probably John. My color. Dreamy. What size? What size doesn't matter. Have you had a meal with him yet? What if you hate the way he eats? What if you hate the way he picks his nose? Picks his nose. And eats it. Excuse me, sir. He is a prince. All men do it. Ew. Uh, look, it doesn't matter. It's true love. Doesn't sound like true love. <laughs> Are you some sort of love expert? Don't fall off and don't get eaten. But I want to help. No. Why not? Because I don't trust your judgment. Excuse me? Who she just met? It's true love. Notice she kept insisting that. It's true love. It's true love. It's tr Don't criticize. It's true love. So tell me the two philosophies. Christoph was asking what question? What was the heart of the question he was asking? Do you know him and are you a match? Are there deal breakers that will break this deal? Now, the reality is there's one huge deal breaker that would break the deal, right? And she didn't know it. And Christoph was saying it's ridiculous to get married, to get engaged until you can answer that question. Are we a match? And you have not answered that question. But what was Anna's attitude? 
Now, again, I don't mean to poke fun or anything, but our society has what type of attitude? If it's magical, that means you're a match. If you're in love, that means you're a match. If it's destined, that means you're a match. If there's this incredible connection, that means you're a match. And that is what I believe is pitfall number three. Don't get engaged to someone that you just met. (laughs) (laughs) Great advice, Demon. So let me tell you, I'm going to be a little bit specific in what I mean by pitfall number three. Now, we're going to break this into a couple classes. Pitfall number five will be understanding the difference between being in love and love. One of the most dangerous things you could ever do when you choose an eternal companion is mistaking being in love and love. Is love an emotion? If you believe love is an emotion, then you're going to face a problem. How many emotions last for eternity? How many emotions last at all? If love is an emotion, then what's going to happen? It's absolutely for sure going to happen. You are not going to have that feeling. Now, does that mean you made a mistake and you need to break up the marriage? Can you love someone even in those moments when you are angry at them? And the answer is absolutely. Do you think I ever make God angry at me? All the time. Now, does he cease to love me when his emotion for me is not this magical, oh, Bryce? Does he still love me? Is he still committed to me? Even in those moments, he's angry at me. There is a major difference between being in love, the emotion, and love, the choice. That'll be pitfall number five. But that's one of today's examples is we're in love. Therefore, we make the assumption that we're a match. It's destined. It's true love. Therefore, we're a match. How many couples can you think of? Don't even count them. But how many couples can you think of that started out infatuated with each other, in love with each other, only to discover there were deal breakers in the relationship that ended up breaking that relationship up. So here's what I think. I, here's how I want to word pitfall number three. Stephen, go ahead. Okay, great. I see what you're trying to say. That's awesome. Here's what I would suggest is pitfall number three. While you are investigating the relationship, while you are searching for the absence of deal breakers, the danger is to let your heart go here. Do you know what I mean by that? You let your heart. Did Anna let her heart? I don't have good blue marks. Did Anna let her heart go here to marriage? Now, I I know we do it. It's natural to do. If I'm in love, if he's my boyfriend, if she's my girlfriend, we're automatically going where in our heads? 
we're automatically going to marriage. And there's the pitfall. Letting your heart go to six long before you have even identified, are we a match? Now, tell, play it out. Tell me what happens. You jump into a relationship and she starts dreaming of wedding dresses. My sisters, every boy they had a crush on, I could tell because all over their notebooks, they would write their first name with his last name. They were already married to the guy. Now, what happens when in your investigation, you discover there are deal breakers? If your heart went to six and then you discover a deal breaker, tell me what happens. You either ignore them, look the other way because I want it to happen so bad. I want it to happen. I really am in love with her. She's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I want it to happen. So I look the other way and then eventually the deal breaker breaks the deal. Or it crushes me. How many people get extremely depressed when a relationship breaks up? Now tell me why the reason for the depression. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not trying to take the romance out of relationships. I'm trying to put the science back in. I just want you to see that dating is a science. It's an experiment. It's an experiment in two-piece puzzles. And if you've picked up two pieces that aren't a match, what would the science suggest you do? Oh, that's not a match. Therefore... I put this piece down and I'm going to try another one. Why then are broken relationships so traumatic for us? Because we let our heart go to six. We created expectations. And when we discovered deal breakers that broke the relationship, we were devastated. I know lots of people that were so hurt by it that they stopped dating. The solution isn't to stop dating. The solution is to not fall into that pitfall again and recognize I am going to keep my heart at four. I'm going to keep my heart at four. Realistic expectations. I don't know if we're a match. She is incredibly good looking. I would love it if she ends up being my spouse, but I don't know if we're a match. I'm not going to let my heart go to six yet. I'm not going to create expectations. I'm not going to dream of that day. I'm not buying a wedding dress. I'm going to give the relationship the time that it needs to search for the absence of deal breakers without the emotional drama of having let my heart go to six. Do you see the pitfall? Do you see what we do so frequently? I have watched my children. do. I, I had a daughter who went on a mission. She, she came home. Every relationship she jumped into, her heart went right to six. Every single time. And then there was a deal breaker and it broke the deal 
And she was absolutely devastated, as if her marriage broke up. It was the same result, because in her heart, she had already created that expectation. Instead of granting the relationship the time that it needs before I create those expectations. Now, can you break up with someone and have it not be so devastating? Should you be able to say, hey, we're not a match. I still respect you and I still love you. And I see great value in you. But I recognize that you and I, our true personalities are not a match. So let's break the relationship now, continue to be friends and set it down and not have it be so traumatic. Because I created realistic expectations. I granted the relationship the time that it needed to search for the absence of deal breakers. Do you see it? Stephen? So go back to three. Yeah, sometimes we just need to say, let's build a friendship because you and I are not a match. Is that okay? Does that mean I'm a horrible failure? Does that mean the two of us are failures and we done something wrong? Could two people love each other and not be a match and recognize that I'm better off with someone else as a match? Absolutely. The question on the table today is, what are you going to do? Now, we all know that, what does Thumper call it? Twitter patient. We all know the thrill of being in love, the thrill of the new, excite, the new exciting relationship. It is intoxicating, isn't it? So here's the question on the table. What are you going to do when you jump into a relationship to keep your heart at four while you search for the absence of deal breakers? While you ask the question, are we a match? What are you going to do to keep your heart at four. I would encourage you to plan ahead. Now, how many of you in the moment allow your emotions to overcome the logical side of you and you're going to fall into that pitfall? So what are you going to do today? So here's what I want to do. We have about 20 minutes, 30 minutes left. I want to brainstorm some strategies. Actually, before we do that, anyone want to talk about the pitfall? Any thoughts, any observations? Anyone recognize, oh my goodness, I've done that. And that's why I was hurt so badly. I let my heart go to six before I gave the relationship time to mature and to see if we're a, we're a match. I created expectations that I shouldn't have until I knew we were a match. Any thoughts about the pitfall? Stephen? I would like to ask the sister missionary how did she know she and her husband were a match? <laughs> That's putting a lot of pressure on her. I 
<laughs> so that, I mean, and as we dated, I learned that, that yeah, you wanted to go to the same place. And again, one of the hardest, and we'll talk about this next week. We're going to take two weeks on the next pitfall, and that's inappropriate dating. And so the question is, when do you know it's time to move from four to five? How do you move from three to four? When do you know? Guess what? There's no magic light that goes on that suddenly says, hey, we're a match. Even... Sometimes you can date for a long time and still not necessarily know you're a match. You could date for a short time and realize you are a match. So what are, what's that magical moment that says we are a match? But the question I want to ask today is, what are you going to do to keep your heart in check? It's going to be so hard. I, get, I promise you, once you get into that relationship and it's new and it's exciting, it is so natural to let your heart jump and start planning the wedding. So what are you going to do? Ready to talk strategy? Okay, so give, I'm going to give you a minute to think. Let's just throw out a bunch of strategies. One of them may help. Maybe the rest would, oh, I could never do that. But what are the strategies? What are, when you walk out that door, what are some of the take-home strategies you can employ to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fall into that pitfall again. I'm not going to let my heart go too far. <laughs> right? Now, I don't think there's a person in this room who hasn't done it. But can we get better? Can I make sure that in the future? Now, I don't want any hands. Don't raise your hands. But I wonder if someone's here who was so scarred by that, so hurt by that, that they've given up. I'm not going to date anymore. I know a lot of them. They let their heart go to six Something broke the deal and it hurt them so badly, they gave up. I'm not going to do it anymore. But let me just throw a pitch at you. You can do it better. You can recognize that not all relationships are matches. Even people I love. I love people I would never marry because we're not a match. I love them dearly. But I would never marry them because I know there are deal breakers. I know that I do things that cause them crazy. I would be a deal breaker for a lot of people. And that doesn't mean we're bad. That doesn't mean there's a moral, oh, you've done something horrible. But I recognize I love people. I'm not a match. And so how am I going to deal with the emotion? All right, ready for strategies? I've got a whole bunch, but I want to hear from you. And I know I'm hitting you cold, and I've been thinking about this for 30 years. So <laughs> I don't necessarily expect you to have worked out all the strategies. Please. Uh, I hate to be the guy to say it, but keeping the law of chastity to, a, to the letter. Okay. Keep those feelings in check, that's super important. So I think number one, I th if I can go a little bit broader, I think set boundaries. 
you need, now I'm going to, I think we're going to, this list is going to morph into another list. So allow me to just start. You've just started off beautifully. I, let me just start that process. In, in these strategies, I would suggest the strategies come down to you need to have conversations with certain people. And number one, you need to have conversations with the person in which you're in a relationship. You need to have conversations with her or him. You need to talk. You need to say, look, let's let this relationship have time. Let's not talk about marriage things. Let's not let that creep into our conversations. And let's set some very clear boundaries. And one of those most definitely needs to be the law of chastity. But even maybe a couple steps beforehand. Because once physical affection jumps into the relationship, it muddies the water. So you may want to have some conversations about physical relationship, set boundaries, and maybe say, not for two months. I'm not going to kiss you for two months. Set I, 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 I had a girl go through this class, and she came out of the class saying, I'm going to go on a relationship fast. I'm going to go on a relationship fast until I can learn to practice friendship. Day. She just said, my goal is to not She'd been in so many relationships, she couldn't even count them. So she went on a relationship fast. Mm -hmm. And then when she did have a relationship, we stayed in contact for years. When she did have a relationship, her, the first thing she did is she set some boundaries for where they went physically. I think that is absolutely key, is talk to the person. Talk to him, talk to her, set some boundaries. It will help your heart not go to sin. Now, let's keep on keeping on that theme. Who are some other people that you need to have constant conversations with to keep your expectations realistic? You need to have someone, mom, dad, sister, best friend. You need to have someone. And you need to say to them, will you please help me keep my heart in check until the relationship has had time? Don't let me have those conversations with me. You need to have someone, someone you trust, a parent, a sister, a brother, a best friend, and you need to have frequent conversations. How's it going? And that person needs to play the part of checking your heart. They need to accept the responsibility to check your heart and not let it go too far up that pyramid before it's time. Stephen? Set goals as well. Yep. Set priorities, set goals. I like that one. Set boundaries. Let's write that, Stephen. Okay, keep going. Name some other people, please. I don't know if you mentioned a gun, but God. You must have 
conversations with Heavenly Father about where you're at. I, I just turn with me, just let's just do a couple scriptures. I know pride is not necessarily our conversation, but do you remember Ammoniah? Do you remember the city of Ammoniah that gets slaughtered? This is where they burn the women and children, and Alma and Amulek have to sit there and watch it. Do you remember that city? Now, going to the next city, Zeezrom was, um, Zeezrom was converted right in front of them, right? So Zeezrom is one of the ones that get kicked out. When they finally reunite, I think the order of business is to say, how do we make sure that never happens again? So go to Alma chapter 15, verse 17. When did Alma and Amulek leave? It was so tragic. An entire city was slaughtered. So Book of Mormon, Alma chapter 15. This is where they reunite after... Um, Zeezrom was kicked out. Look at verse 17. When do they leave Sidon? Seeing a great check. Seeing a great check. Yea, seeing that the people were checked as two. And then you can fill in the blank. In this case, it was pride. If you do not have a check on your pride, odds are you're going to fall right into that trap. The gospel gives us several checks on our pride. So using that same theme, what is the check on your heart? What is, have you established a check on your heart? And may I suggest that Heavenly Father is one of the very best ones to have some very open and honest conversations. Heavenly Father, please help me not go too fast. Am I? pushing my heart ahead. Heavenly Father, you and I are going to have a nightly conversation and I'm going to ask that question every night and I need your help. It's a great conversation. Um, I was in a meeting years ago and they were talking about dating. Um, Why well, I say it's price, price. Um, and they were talking about how like when you're dating for whatever reasons, like you talk to Heavenly Father about everything else and then when it's dating, you're like, I got this. Yep. It's like, why in the world would you not have his help? This is one of the most important decisions you will ever make in this life. But you're just going to be like, I can handle this. Like, why would you not ask for his help? It just, it was a mind blowing thing for me at the time. I was pretty young and I was like, oh, duh. But I had never thought about that. And I had forgotten about it until right now. But And that's why I bring it up to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, what am I going to do today so that when I'm in that circumstance, I don't do the same thing? That Heavenly Father is my check. That Heavenly Father is one of the checks on my heart. Well, I was going to say another important person probably just be yourself. Okay, let's do that one. Stephen, what did you want to add? Because I want to talk about this one. He has been there and done that. Yeah, he has. Pretty good about relationships, don't you think? Knows a thing or two about putting people together. Why not talk to him? Even if it's not what he tells you as much as just the act of you talking to him and talking it out. So let me throw this one in here. Let me throw an idea at you. I would invite you to have what I call mirror talks. Mm. I do this all the time and I've encouraged people and 
<clears throat> I've had a lot of people just brush it off and say, oh, whatever. And then they actually try it. And then they all come back and say, wow, that was a really good idea. I had no idea. So here's the idea, okay? You get to be both the emotional side of you and the logical side of you at two separate moments. You need to shut the door so no one can hear you because there's going to be an awkward conversation and you don't want anyone else being able to hear it. So you shut the door and you look in the mirror. There's two of you. Now you decide who goes first. One of you is the emotional side and one of you is the logical side. Now, when it's turn, when it's time for the emotional side to speak, grant yourself full permission to be 100% emotional. I love her so much. Oh, I want to be with her so... Say it. Say it out loud. Say your emotions. Speak everything in your heart. And then stop. And then switch. And now... The logical one gets to speak. Now, I know your brain can go back and forth really quickly. Don't let it. Let the logical one have a few minutes. You may want to even set a timer. You got 10 minutes, okay? For 10 minutes, I'm going to be nothing but logical. And I'm going to talk about this relationship, and I'm going to be the logical one. And then if the emotional one wants a rebuttal, great. But have those conversations with yourself. You will be very surprised at how effective you can play both parts. Allow yourself to be 100% emotional. And then allow yourself to be 100% logical. And have that conversation. And he was like, what do I do? And they're just like, oh, one of the guys in our ward came. There was a group of girls that lived in an apartment together. He came with chocolate strawberries and a rom-com, and they watched the movie Be More Like Him. And like the logical side of me was speaking, and I turned to him, and I was like, how many of you actually dated him? Like, were you just, you guys, I bet he's your best friend now, right? Like, I was like, don't give advice. Like, I try not to give dating advice after hearing that, like seeing the logical side. And then I was like, you know what? I was, I was telling my cousin later, I was like, if you dropped dog poop off at a girl's house and she loved you, she'd be like, he knows where I live. She'd seize the bright side of it. But if you don't, she'd be like, that's super rude. So I think that like, it's super important to definitely pull those two apart because like, if that was a normal person that had done something bad at your, you know, like ate your house or toilet papered it, you would be like, wow, that was so rude. But if it was somebody you liked, you'd be like, oh, they know where I live, you know, like kudos to me. <laughs> But, um, and separating those two and having a conversation, allowing yourself to see both sides. I think if you try it, you'll be surprised at how effective it can be. I like being the emotional one. And then I like being the logical one. And usually when I'm done, clarity comes. I've allowed myself to see the situation realistically. And so, talk to yourself. Talk to Heavenly Father. Talk to each other. And talk to someone you trust. Who loves you enough to just... Bryce, <laughs> you are way too fast. Your heart has gone 
to six. Pull it down. I leave you with my testimony. Not everyone is your match. Sometimes the best looking ones are not matches. Sometimes they are. Grant the relationship time. Now, can you do it quickly? Yes. Would it shake your faith if I told you that my wife and I dated for three weeks? Three weeks. We built a friendship in three weeks. And then we were engaged for four and a half months. And I... We did a lot of different things on our dates and very quickly, it can happen quickly. And I know that some people have dated for years and still it wasn't enough. There is no right amount of time. There is, however, a right philosophy, a right attitude, a right, I'm not going to let my heart jump to sick. My wife, <laughs> I don't know. We've never been bowling, Stephen. No. I watched how carefully my wife kept her heart at four. I was fascinated. I was a return missionary. I was of age. And yet, she kept her heart at four. Sometimes at my expense... <laughs> Sometimes it was very painful for me to watch her keep her heart. And aren't I the one? You should, you should be madly in love with me. And she, nope, nope, not yet. And when, when she was convinced that we were a match, she jumped in with every ounce of her heart. And I was so impressed watching her. What are you going to do to keep your heart from jumping to six like it naturally wants to? Have a strategy. Have a plan. Put it in place now so that when the moment comes and the emotions rage, you have established a check on your heart. And if anyone in this room has been hurt badly because you did that. I would encourage you to try again. You've learned a great lesson and that's a painful pitfall, isn't it? But you don't have to repeat it. Not everyone is a match. You know that now. And now that you know that, you'll be a little bit smarter and you'll grant your heart time. You'll keep your heart at realistic expectations. I'm not going to let those thoughts enter my head. I'm not going to let my emotions create expectations that will shatter me if I discover deal breakers. I dearly love people I couldn't be married to because I know there are deal breakers. And so don't, don't just jump to six. Ask the question and grant yourself time to answer the question. Are we a match? And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.